Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. My name is Cassidy Williams, and I am joined by my wonderful co-hosts, as usual, Siora and Matt. Hello. Hi. I am very excited to introduce our guest today, Kara Borenstein. She is the founder over at StashPad. Hello. Hello. Excited to be here. Yeah. Welcome to the show. I have so many questions for you, and I know that we will run (laughs) out of time if we don't start asking them. So First of all, but before anything, we'd like to know, how did you get into software and tech and everything in general? Yeah, so I studied computer science in college, and then I worked at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York as a software engineer. Hmm. And then I um, I wanted to switch into like a more fully tech-centric type of company. And I became really fascinated by APIs and like the best practices around APIs. And so that kind of took me over to Twilio. And Which makes at, sense. They're yeah. best-in-class <laughs> APIs. Yeah, and, and Twilio was super awesome. And, and while I was there, I started to notice that there were some sort of like knowledge-sharing frictions that I was running into. And so light bulb moment, right? Software engineer, knowledge-sharing issues must be an issue with the wiki. And so I left Twilio to start working on a more approachable, better wiki solution and in true engineering nature, started building right away and just went to work heads down coding up a wiki. And when it was time to actually show it to people, I realized that no one wanted it. So I gave it to a bunch (laughs) of engineers and engineering friends and friends of friends, and no one really wanted what we were building. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a bummer. No one wants this wiki thing. But that's when we were actually like talking to a whole bunch of engineers. And we were like, we get that you don't want a wiki, what is it that you're doing and how could we actually help to make something better? And so that's when we saw that pretty much everyone was relying on like a super bare bones notepad, something like a basic text file as they were going about their workday. And we're like, okay, we see you. We see the notepad. Let's make a better notepad. And that's that's how we got to what we're working on today, which is Sashpad, a notepad for developers. Very cool. And so when you say a notepad for developers, what makes it for developers rather than a notepad? Yeah, that's a great question. So how I how I think about it is kind of twofold. So one is that it has all of the features that engineers want in any of the tools that they use. So things like key bindings and markdown support and support for code snippets and that kind of stuff. But then the thing that makes it actually kind of magical to me, at least in my in my workflow is that it's specifically designed for developer workflows. So if you think about like as a professional software engineer, it's not just that you're like coding all day in isolation. You also have to manage tons of like context switching and just stay on top of lots of things. And so it's specifically designed to make that easy. I wanted to rewind a little bit. And I heard you mention that you left Twilio, you started working on your your wiki project and then realized that nobody wanted it. So I want to hear more about what that was like, because I feel like in my mind, if I started working on a product and realized like, oh, my gosh, nobody actually wants to use this thing, I would be so like depressed. <laughs> so, But I love how you kind of like overcame that and pivoted to creating something and building something that actually is useful. So I want to hear more about what that process was like. 
Yeah. So at first there definitely was, this is in retrospect. So at first there was some <laughs> denial, right? So at mm. first it's like, oh no, they're, they're going to like it once I just add this additional <laughs> feature, right? Uh, <laughs> and so we kind of tried sticking with it and just getting it in front of people. And then at a certain point, we started to see that we were able to get people like on the app, like they would try it out, but then they weren't really like creating a lot of content in it and they weren't really using it. And so then we started kind of, cause I'm, I'm from like fully an engineering background and so is my co-founder. So we didn't really have that kind of like product chops right. to like go and actually like understand what people other than trying to guess kind of from our own experience. And so then we started actually like watching people working using what we were building at the time, but then where they were actually writing. And that's when we started to see like, oh, look, everyone has like untitled 17.txt. And like, <laughs> they don't even mention it when you like ask them about their tool set. It's just when you're looking at someone's computer, you see it up. And so then we were like, okay, this is interesting. We made a kind of like an early version of it and and put it on indie hackers and saw that people were like, oh, this is compelling. Uh, and so then we decided to actually pivot into a scratch pad. Cool. For me, I would probably go through like a, a period of like moping around and being like upset about <laughs> it. But I love how you like kind of jumped into action and figured out a quick solution to that without going through the motions too much. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's an expected part of like discovering, kind of understanding the problem space and stuff. Like you start out with what I thought was a good first go. And then I think it gets interesting. And even now, like the deeper we get, yeah, like a scratch pad sounds like something so simple. It's like, oh, right. Like that's like an untitled text file or something. Like, Jot down this key or something. <laughs> yeah. But as you kind of like stick with it, it's like a problem space. You could just go so deep and like learn so much about it. And I find that really fun. I'm really curious because you went from New York all the way across to the Bay Area for Twilio, and then it looks like you went back to North Carolina for Stashpad. Yep. And I'm curious, you've kind of hit two of the largest tech hubs in the States, if not the world. So I'm curious as to kind of like your experience going between the two and then going all the way to North Carolina and leaving that kind of hub behind, what kind of impact that had on your business, whether you think Stashpad would have been better off staying within California, even just networking, colleagues, friends, all that kind of stuff. I'm very curious around your your move there. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm originally from New York, so I didn't really choose New York. I just was okay. there and then I stayed there. Uh, <laughs> and I do love New York. <laughs> my family is there. But working in New York, the tech scene, at least in my experience, kind of earlier on in my career is pretty like finance heavy, or at least it was. So I was working at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. I had a lot of friends working at different banks. And then of course, like Google and stuff like that is also there. And there's obviously a lot of meetups there, which is fun, but I was pretty excited when I got the job at Twilio to get to move out to what I saw as like the total thick of it, like be surrounded by tons of awesome meetups. It's kind of funny. So I, I led the women's group when I was at Twilio and the way how I got started doing that was I was, I moved out to the Bay Area for this cool job to meet cool people. And then I realized six months in that I had just been so heads down trying to like make sure I was doing well in my projects that I had met almost no one. And mm -hmm. so I started just like saying hi to random women in the bathroom and just being like, hey, what do you do? Uh, <laughs> and as a result, I got to know a lot of people that way. And that kind of led, led me towards leading the women's group there. And so definitely there's like, just like talented people from all over the world are coming to the Bay Area to 
yeah, to kind of hone their craft and have a big impact. And so it's really fun. Like my product manager uh, on the last team that I was on was from Italy um, and she was super smart and it just like is attracting global talent. So that's really awesome. As we think about uh, building StashPad, we came back to the East Coast really to be like closer to family and it's just kind of where I'm from. So that's very natural to me, even though I, I love the Bay Area. Something that's been really cool is North Carolina sounds maybe like a somewhat random place if you're not not too familiar <laughs> with it, but there are a lot of really good universities. Yeah. And so as a result, and there's a lot of great companies. So there's just like a lot of really great talent. So uh, when my co-founder and I were like ready to start hiring some folks to our team, we were like, okay, let's see, like, we don't have a strong network here yet, but like, let's see what happens. And in just like two weeks of kind of doing lots of LinkedIn and AngelList stalking, we found like really, really awesome candidates. And we were like, okay, this is really cool. And it's kind of, it's growing and it's somewhat unique to be be a company that's like a SaaS type thing, although we're local. So we were excited to get to build here. Yeah, I kind of love not being in one of the big hubs. As someone who has lived in New York, Seattle, SF, all of those areas, it's kind of cool being in a hub that, or, or in, in a space that has a tech scene, but it's not like a popular one because people are solving much more unique problems or, or different problems rather, because they're solving typically for more local environments and stuff. And And it's interesting to see their mindsets on how they approach tech because it's different from like the broader hype cycle type of things that, that you typically see on Twitter and stuff. Definitely. It's also just in my kind of like anecdotal experience, there's a lot more diversity in the local tech scene. So like I had like a problem a couple of weeks ago. And so I like reach out to someone to be like, oh, can you connect me to like a couple of founders? Like I want to get input on this. And so I was connected to four founders just who had like the best skill set for that problem. And they were all women. And I was like, whoa, hey. That never <laughs> happens. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> So I think earlier you said that you have a team of seven now. Including me. Yep. Including you. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So I want to hear about that too. I'm like so fascinated by the building a company from the ground up and like starting small and eventually sharing what you built with other people. So I want to know how that was. What, what was it like hiring your first employee and getting them involved in the whole process that probably started out as just like your little project and sharing it with eventually a, a broader team. So so one thing, since we are building for developers and the first hires that we are doing are developers, that mm -hmm. kind of made it a little bit easier. And we just kind of were, we explained like the, the problem and that we're making this notepad. It's simple, but I think it's going to be awesome. I think folks that didn't really resonate with the problem were probably filtered out. And then folks that did resonate, they're like, yeah, I do this. And like, I have all these ideas and I can also contribute like product ideas and valuable product feedback. I think that helped us a lot with getting great talent. I think one thing that's been really cool, and I, I wonder, I'm sure Cassidy, like you've seen this also in, in your new role, is that like when you're a team of seven, it's not like, oh, I'm I'm the CEO, right? And then I have my co-founder and then the minions below me. It's like, no, like we all like, <laughs> we all are building this together and it's really collaborative and everyone has ownership. And so I think, yeah, something that, that's been really fun for me is, is finding folks who are great engineers, but also love jumping in on other things and have product ideas and like really take ownership. Like they're smarter than me. We're going to come up with something better if we're including <laughs> their thoughts. So that, that's been something really cool versus when it was like just me and my co-founder. 
Yeah, I I do kind of like how when a company is that small, there isn't a hierarchy. Like even though there is, it it, it doesn't really feel like it. You're kind of just all building cool things together and, and solving problems together. And it's more about your roles are different because co-founders probably have to do a lot of fundraising or, or, or things like that, stuff that I'm that's for the users, business. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's mm-hmm. less about like, I'm in charge of you and more like, I just have a different job than you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is your company like remote or is it based locally out of North Carolina or yeah, I want to hear more about those two. So we work hybrid. We have our cool, cool office brick yeah. background right now. Uh, <laughs> and so we'll usually be in the office like two days a week and then from home three days a week. And then, yeah, if, if folks are kind of like pairing on something, then we'll come in an extra day. But yeah, I found that I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about like working remotely fully versus going in sometimes. I found that the hybrid is like a very good balance for me where you have yeah. that collaboration and the like getting to know people in person, but then you also kind of can just like hone in on things while you're home and like just get in a lot of that deep work time. Yeah. I like the option. I think the option is the most important thing because if you force someone to be remote who doesn't want to be remote or force someone to be in the office who doesn't want to be in the office, people aren't going to be happy. But if (laughs) if there's the option of being able to pick and choose and, and figure out your schedule, I think that that is where I think a lot of things are going in general. Because if if people have that flexibility, they're more likely to enjoy the place they work, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Auth0 by Okta is the leading customer identity authentication provider straight out of the box and into your app with support for social logins, passwordless, single sign-on, and a whole lot more. So you can worry about everything else on your to-do list. Visit developer.auth0.com slash stack. Hit up that URL to let them know the podcast sent you. I'm very curious as to going from an engineer to a CEO or founder, how you how you found that transition. Do you kind of miss just being a pure engineer and just getting your tickets done and, and moving on with life? Or do you quite enjoy kind of all the extra responsibilities and functions of being a CEO and doing fundraising, going and meeting people, talking to users, that kind of thing? So sometimes I just kind of like, especially if I'm feeling stressed, I'm just like, I just want to code something and that is all (laughs) I want to do. (laughs) And so I'll try to like take a small ticket or like pair with someone who will will take something. And just like, I just kind of want to like have that small win or like Mm. think critically about like, even like a product spec can feel a little bit like coding. But yeah, definitely when I'm more stressed, I'm like, I would like to code. And even just if I haven't coded in a while, it's like, there's just something so satisfying about like, you solve a little puzzle and then you see it and it's cool and it like it works in the way you want to. And that's there's a lot of closure on it. A lot of why I was interested, though, in pursuing entrepreneurship was that I just find that I really like talking to developers and kind of learning from mm. them. And the second team that I was on at Twilio, we were building it was called Proxy. It's now been like absorbed in something else. But we were basically making like if you drive Uber or take Uber or Lyft or whatever, you're able to text each other anonymously. We made like an API so that that just worked right away and you didn't have to implement the logic. Oh, it was pretty fun. I was yeah. only It was only three of us when I started, me, one other engineer, and then my product manager from Italy, global team. And the end users were developers. And so what we got to do was like, talk to developers who work at these different companies and they would explain kind of what they're trying to do. We'd problem solve together and then like 
change a little something in the API, they change a little something, and then we end up getting their solution out. And I found that like that feedback of like this person, it would make their life so much better or their work so much easier if the API worked like this. There was nothing that like motivated me more to do my work and like just like like I got fired up. I got excited and and, like happy and stuff. And so I wanted to try to have that experience where you are closer to that user feedback, which is ironic given how we started out. But, you know, (laughs) I (laughs) got in there. So, yeah, it's so fun when you are your own customer. And customers are like you and kind of think in your way, because then when you do have those user calls or or change things up, if people are excited, you could be like, I know, right? And you can can be excited with them. (laughs) With trauma bond with your customers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And you can, you can also see like, especially so we're like in the productivity space there, there are people who have been thinking about this, like. We actually have a user who's visiting our office today uh, and has probably been thinking about this since around when I was born, right? So like I can learn so much from him. And right. so like it's it's really cool also just like you see how people like did their setups and why and how it's worked for them for many years or hasn't. And then you try to bring those great ideas to other people who maybe haven't thought about it as much yet. And so I feel like, yeah, it's helped me develop a better system for how I manage my work. Just kind of you see what other people are doing. That's good. You see what people are trying to do that's not realistic. You say, okay, that's not realistic. Let's let go of that. (laughs) Let's do this slightly messier thing that we could stick with. And then let's like kind of keep iterating and get better all together at managing our work and and enjoying the process. I've gotten very into the productivity side of Twitch and seeing live streamers who are really into this stuff because people have such specific setups that they do for getting stuff done and everything. And it's really cool to be able to be like, I could do that. Or this is not feasible, but good for you. And you know, figuring out like what might work for you as you're trying to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Or like this may work for, I'm glad it works for that person, but like it's, it's probably an unrealistic amount of effort relative to like the value that it really gives right. you. And so, exactly. yeah, I find it interesting. Everyone has their own way of doing things. So it's like, what can we learn from each other so that we come up with something that like actually works over time and is valuable, not just like looks pretty and looks like we're getting our stuff done. Yeah. I have a question too. I want to know about your favorite or most like profound user story or use case from like a a customer. You mentioned how like you get very motivated when you know that you're, when you were working at Twilio and you knew that what you were building was solving problems. So I want to hear about like a a situation where you had that like kind of aha moment working on a stash pad. Yeah. So I have, I guess, two things I would say here. So one is like a concrete like use case that I learned about that then we put into the product that I had never even heard of before I saw someone doing. I tend to think of like the productivity things almost like high fashion in that like they are great inspiration, but then you want to adapt it to something that you actually want to wear every day. And so, (laughs) so one that's kind of a high fashion one is the idea of the Pomodoro method. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. So you basically, yeah, the, the timer. yeah, you break your day down into like at least 25 minute blocks. You time yourself. There's no looking at your phone for that 25 minutes and you're just focused. There's no opening Reddit, whatever. And then if you can continue on, you can continue on. Whenever you pause, you write what I now call like a status dump of kind of where you were at. And then you go on to your next thing or you continue with another Pomodoro. And so... I've seen a couple of like the most productive senior developers following something like this, but not exactly that. And the way how I've adapted it and I've now, and we recommended it to some of the folks who are using our app and see them adapting it is that 
if you think of like, okay, I'm like working on a project and now I have a meeting or now I have like, I need to go review someone's code. So whenever you're switching off of something, if you actually take time to just like dump what you were doing down so that it's not kind of in your head, then you can now show up to your next thing. And so that's now what we call like status dumps. It's just a take on Pomodoro. And yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that's a cool concept. And the context switching, again, I I like that there's an emphasis on that because that's probably the toughest thing where you're in the zone on something and suddenly you have to do something completely different. And it's like you're swimming above water suddenly and you're just like, okay, I've been underwater for so long. Where do I go now? Yeah, it makes it easier when you're coming back to things you have. You're like, okay, right. That's what I was up to. And I can jump in on that. So that's pretty cool. A second use case I like a lot that sounds very simple is if you're getting started on either like a larger feature or a project, I think it's really common. You're like excited about the project. And so you like, you're kind of thinking about it and someone tries talking to you and you're like half there because you're kind of thinking about it. (laughs) And so it's like you have all this stuff in your head. Cal Newport has, has written some about it. Just like the act of like deciding to write something down as compared to leaving it in your head helps you just like clarify it and like then you can kind of rearrange it, make sense of it, annotate it, and then kind of like have that clarity so that it's not like in a haze, even if it's an excited haze in your head. So that's kind of a second second use case of doing these brain dumps and then looking at it all together, rearranging and all that stuff. Cal Newport, if either of you haven't read his book, Deep Work... It is a great book that you've mentioned it before. Yeah, it's it's a motivating book. There's definitely certain aspects where once kind of like what Kara was saying, you kind of have to adapt it to you and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely very much like do this or you'll never be productive again. I'm like, (laughs) maybe maybe only some of that. But it it is some of the notes that you're just like, oh, dang, you're right. And it's been really helpful for creating those moments for focus and stuff. Definitely. And he does, he does also have some YouTube videos. So it's like only five minutes or something. So it makes it a little more approachable. Definitely recommend those for like little bits of inspiration for how you can improve your, your workflow without necessarily committing to becoming the guru of all the productivity things. I just love the fact that like, it's very clear that you're learning and adapting for your own work habits and workflow as you learn to like build, as you learn and build Stashpad. I think that's just really cool and kind of inspiring. I don't know. I just love that. I feel like it's it's the same thing for the people who are building Visual Studio Code, but mm-hmm. also working on Visual Studio Code. There's like a cycle yeah. there where the more they work on it, the better it gets. And the more they work on it, the better it gets. Dog fooding at its finest, honestly. <laughs> I'm wondering how you approach the monetization with Stashpad because developers love free tools. And uh, I can imagine trying to monetize something like Stashpad, which they'd use for work and everything else, would be a little bit challenging. I'm sure there's been some tough conversations around how you go about making this a viable business. Can you speak to that at all? So yeah, developers developers like free things, and businesses like to make money. So those are those are two <laughs> two things in conflict there, right? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and what we've decided for Stashpad is so right now it's local desktop app. And we specifically made it local to start because a lot of those engineers who are actually talking to and and getting feedback from were working at some larger companies that we didn't want to have to deal with any of the like data handling requirements. We wanted them to just get started and own their data. We don't want to see it anyway. So that's how we wanted to build it. Our plan is to offer a premium plan that includes 
end-to-end encrypted sync. So for folks who are using the app locally, you're storing your stuff, use it for free. But then if you want to have your thing synced, then we'll charge like a monthly fee for that. That makes sense. And I feel like that's something that most people are very reasonably like, oh yes, that makes sense that I would pay for that and and it will work well. And I I love local first apps in general anyway. Also with things like, say for example, Stadia shut down recently and I was reading about some poor person who'd spent, I think, 800 hours in Red Dead Redemption 2 and now their save file is just gone because they're they're shutting down the service. And so I think, yeah, having autonomy and being able to host your own data like that is kind of important. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. It matters. Man, that sucks. I know. Losing <laughs> losing game files like, you yeah, you know it's a game, but there's so much time sunk into it. <laughs> they probably have a name for their horse. They've gotten really attached to it. It's yeah. been it's seen through eight hundred hours. And that horse is just gonna be sitting in the, the ether somewhere. It's awful. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. I wanna know too about kind of where you see stash pack going in the future either like it can be as far ahead as you want or it can be tomorrow or within the next hour whatever but i just want to hear more about like your your vision for the future of stash pack well right now we're like doing a release i think right now so oh. <laughs> we, are, we are improving our next hour stacks feature where you can basically see notes that are nested underneath in the same view. Uh, but kind of more broadly, so the first thing that we that we noticed was that basically engineers are using like plain text files to manage their work. And so we wanted to make a notepad that was ideally even faster and more convenient than that, but also better suited to kind of being acted on in the future. So being rearranged and organized and all that stuff. And in the future. So first we're doing a mobile app because right now we're only desktop. But a big thing that I'm really excited about is adding extensibility. So that you'll basically be able to like, if you think about what you put in your notepad today, some of the things are like, oh, I need to follow up on this code review, right? Or, oh, there is this like Slack message I need to follow up on, or I want to take a look at something like some link you save for later. And so I think we've kind of done step one of making just a better basic Scratchpad. And so I think step two is going to be about making it so that you can integrate it with your other tooling to make it smarter and more useful to you. And especially like back to my love for APIs, making sure that we give a public API that makes it easy to customize exactly how you want it to behave with the way that you work. That's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Anything that involves being able to like make plugins and stuff, I get very excited (laughs) because then you can start really making things your way. Yeah, I'm excited. We're even, we're actually pretty soon, we are going to be putting out our first theme. So there won't just be light mode and dark mode, but we also have some colors. So that's going to be, (laughs) that's been actually a very highly requested small feature that I think will, it's just a nice way to, on top of that, we'll also be giving custom key bindings. So just kind of starting to be able to make it feel more like your own. Nice. That's awesome. Well, we have hit the end of the time, the end of the show, and it is time to give a lifeboat badge. We're going to shout out a lifeboat badge, which is an answer score of 20 or more to a question score of negative three or less that goes on to receive a score of three or more. And this goes to marching band run CRC++ code from Node.js in an efficient way. I have no idea what marching band is doing, but... Good job with the badge. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've been Cassidy Williams. I am CTO over at Contenda. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on most things. My name is Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Auth0 by Okta. And you can find me on Twitter. My username there is C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. And I'm Matt Kinanda. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online at Matt Kanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. And I'm Kara Bornstein from StashPad. You can check out our app at stashpad.com or you can either shoot me an email, Kara at stashpad.com or on Twitter, Kara Jacqueline. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.